Back in 2016, I tried to start a new tradition here at Saving the Game. For our Christmas episode, I took a break from our usual content. We had just crossed the threshold of our 100th regular episode, which was quite exciting, and read to you one of the Christmas sermons I heard growing up. In the usual way of things, I completely failed to follow up on that tradition for the next two Christmas episodes. But if there is any season for renewal and forgiveness and the building up of new traditions, it's the Advent season. And so here I am with another such sermon. These sermons come from the Reverend Bob Lawrence, who was the pastor at Fourth Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina, when I was quite young. It's a testament to Reverend Lawrence's skill as a storyteller and orator that I remember those Christmas sermons at all. I was young and prone to daydreaming, but he could hold his congregation rapt, and never more so than at Christmas, when he would find a character from the Christmas story whose part in the story wasn't quite as fleshed out as he might like, and bring them to life for us in his sermons. This particular sermon bears the title, A Room with a View, and it comes from Christmas 1986. I trust that you will enjoy it just as much as I did, then and now. Hear the word of God as it is found in the 40th chapter of Isaiah, beginning to read with verse 9. Listen for the word of God. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. The second lesson is in the Gospel according to Luke, beginning to read in the second chapter, with verse 1. Listen for the word of God. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment, when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the house of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. May the Lord bless in our hearts the reading and hearing of his word. Let us pray. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Dr. James Moldenhauer, whose name is hardly a household word now, but who in his own day was quite a biblical scholar, once had this to say about this lesson we have just read from Luke. When I was a child, he said, I knew so little that I believed the story just the way Luke told it. Then I grew up. 
and having studied biblical criticism, higher criticism, philosophy, theology, all those things one has to wrestle with in order to earn a doctorate, I knew so much I didn't believe the story the way Luke told it. But now, he said, I am old, and once again I know so little, I believe the story just the way Luke wrote it. Well, I am that old myself, or perhaps that young, to believe the story the way Luke wrote it. In fact, there is some kind of mysterious grace of God given to us all this season, so that we believe things that might trouble us other times. We believe things in December that might tangle our minds in July. The heart has reasons the mind does not know. And bah humbug as much as we want, this story still gets to us after all these years. Partly it's the story itself. Partly it's the characters in the story. They are such vivid people, mysterious people, like the Magi. Magical. We get our word magic from the same word, magi. And the shepherds, the star, not exactly a person, but almost. The holy family, the child, and the villain of the story, the innkeeper. We have traditionally ranked him somewhere close to Judas, as being one of the world's great criminals. For any man who would turn a woman about to have a baby out of his inn is absolutely monstrous. That it should be this mother and this child. Unthinkable. Unbelievable. What a rat! But suppose he were to tell us the story himself. Suppose the innkeeper's version of what we read is very different from the way we hear it. Now, just what might he say? Well, if we were to envision him, say, 60 years after that first Christmas, an incredibly old man, but still active in his trade, innkeeper. But still old enough so that right in the middle of doing his normal chores, here and there, or maybe in a conversation with you, he might just nod off, as if you weren't there at all. Oh, a thousand pardons, were the guests. I did not see you enter. Yes, oh, no, you didn't wake me. I was just saying my prayers. Yes, that's it. You know, it is the hour of prayer. Later, you say? I must have prayed longer than I thought. If you will excuse me while I finish here, the dust, you know, clouds of it from the traffic, with all the horses, with all the donkeys, all the camels, with all the everything, it all comes in, clouds of dust, you know, you can never get rid of it. Now, most worthy guests, you honor our city by coming here, and how may I be of service to you? Oh, you want a room? Very good. And meals, too? Ah, very good. Uh, Leah, dinner for five. Pardon my enthusiasm, but there are not many visitors to our inn at this time. Yes, it's true, the weather, the dust, no matter what time it is, it's always here. What, you want a room with a view? Do you understand this is Bethlehem? We don't have views here, you know. In fact, our rooms don't have windows. Dust, I told you about the dust, we boarded them up long ago. Oh yes, there is one room with a view, it's in the back, but it's not much of a view, it looks at the stable. The smell may be breathtaking, but I can hardly say the same for the view. Though it is true when you think about it, yes, it's true sometimes when the moon is high and you look out that window, yes, it's a fairly nice view if you hold your breath, that is. Yes, I'll, I'll show you what you want, you wish to know about the inn. The inn, well, yes, this is it, it's been here, the only one in Bethlehem, but don't let that bother you. If there were a thousand inns here, this would still be the best one. Yes, it is. It's a thousand years old. Did you know that? The inn was built, let me see, by a Gileadite. His father was a good friend of David's, the king. Yes, King David's. His friend's son. Yes, I got that right. His friend's son built this inn. He built it as a stable, as a matter of fact, but don't worry. That was a thousand years ago. We've tidied up since then. It's now an inn. My family has had it for many generations now. 
No, we don't have many people here anymore. You know, traffic is down, yes. I've been here a long time. I was born here. Well, not here at the inn. I was born in my father's house, but I've been here all my life. Yes, I was here during the census. Yes, the census. I remember the census well. No, we were not overloaded. We never had to turn people away. No, not at all. The census, people had a year to come here, so they didn't come here on a night, you see. They came straggling in, all times. No, we never turned anyone away. What do you mean, according to Luke? Luke, Luke says, Luke says, I've heard it a million times, but Luke says no such thing. What does he say? Luke says, there was no room in the inn. Yes, well, that's true, but that does not say I turned people away. I hear what you're thinking, I know what you think of me now, and I have never told anyone else the truth. Maybe I will tell you, and what you do with the truth, I do not know. But it was during the census, Quirinius was governor of Syria, or was it Quintiolius? These Roman names, you are not Roman, are you? Roman names sound dreadful. They all sound alike. Quirinius, Quintiolius, Julius, Augustus. Marcus, who knows one from the other? They all have big noses, too. But you see, what were we talking about? Oh, yes, the census. Well, you see, as I said, it was a scheme by Augustus Caesar. He had this wild scheme, which he said would be great for the country. I have learned about governments, and I'm sure you have. When the government announces it's going to do a great thing for the people, it means it's going to do a big thing to the people. Have you not found that out? And what they were going to do is tax us. It was some hidden scheme to raise taxes. They wanted to count heads, so everybody had to come back to where he was born. They did it once in Egypt, so why not do it to the Jews? Well, most people didn't stay here. They were born here. They had relatives. Most people stayed in homes. But there was that one night. It seemed like every Jew in Judah came here, along with the cheese merchants, the wine merchants, the wool merchants that always stay here. There was even a quadrant of Roman soldiers staying here, trying to keep some peace in order. People had tents in the street. There was pushing and shoving. It was awful. The wine ran out. The food ran out, but we turned no one away. We had them sleeping everywhere, but we turned no one away, I assure you. Our hospitality is renowned. We have never turned anyone away. We always make room. And there was in that crowd that night a Galilean. I could tell by his dress, his dress, and even more when he spoke, and he had his wife. Insane to bring a woman into a place like this. He came to me and said, Please, I must have a room. My wife is about to have a child. I just threw up my hands and I said, Dear God in heaven, when I prayed for many visitors to this inn, I didn't want any pregnant ones. I said to him, What can I do? What can I possibly do with this man and his wife? Even then, she was holding her stomach in pain. I thought to myself, I must do something, and I whispered to him, follow me. No, I didn't take them out back to the stables. I would not take any woman out to a stable to have a baby. Who do you think I am? What kind of a man? Do you not understand that we have never turned people away like that? No, I know what Luke said about the manger, but where was that manger, stranger? Manger, stranger, huh? You see, you do not understand us. You are in Bethlehem. We are peasants. We are poor, with one or two exceptions, of which I am not one. Do you not understand we live in one-room houses? Yes, one-room houses. But let me tell you about that room. It is divided into two levels. You have one level that is high, and one level like this. You know it's down there and up here. 
Now we stay in the upper level, that is, us people, I stay with my wife, my children, we cook there, eat there, sleep there, make love there, say our prayers there, we live there on that upper level of the house. And in the same room, but on a lower level, we keep the cows, the horses, well, no one in Bethlehem owns a horse, but a donkey or whatever, a sheep. And do you know what? Right where the two parts of the roof come together, we make little columns of stone, scooped out on the tops, and in that, we put the feed for the animals. Yes, the animals eat right there. We want the wall so they won't get in the bed with us. We do not mind if they live with us and eat with us. Every house in Bethlehem had a manger, you see. Every house. So I led the woman and her precious cargo not to the stable out back. I led her and her husband to my home. Leah, my wife, swept the manger clean, put new fresh hay, covered it with a woolen blanket, and when the child was born, the woman wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, in my home, in the room where we live. Now that is the truth. We turned no one away. What you do with the story? Who knows? Perhaps it disturbs your way of hearing it, and I would not like to do that. And I do not know why the world needs a villain. I guess for the same reason we need Judas Iscariot. The world needs me, too. A villain, a scapegoat, the one to whom we can point to hide our own sins, to say we would never stoop to that, forgetting we all turned to Judas in our hearts and we've all turned the Christ child away. I don't know. But this is what I do know. This is the truth. On that first Christmas Eve, strangers, I took the Christ child into my home. But the question to you is, on this Christmas Eve, what will you do with the child? Come along. Your room with a view is ready. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution Sharealike License. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Music in this episode is Er is in Kindica Gaborin op Ard, reprise, by Ben DeVries, used under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Reverend Robert Lawrence's sermons are reproduced here with the permission of Fourth Presbyterian Church of Greenville, South Carolina. For past episodes, information about saving the game, and more, visit us at stgcast.org. God bless, do good, and Merry Christmas. <laughs>